You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. What is of this is Doc Jock here on the Fantasy Sports Network. That is Dr. Mitchell Roslin, and I am Greg Sussman. Doc, how are you, sir? Doing well. I guess it's been two weeks away. Uh, yeah. Uh, we were both away for Presidential Weekend. And That's right. Great, great place to start, because when President's Weekend comes, or President Week and people coming back, mm-hmm. I think of some of the great trivia questions in sports. Let's do it. Okay. What are the only schools in the country, oh, or schools in the country, that have Super Bowl winning quarterbacks and presidents from them? Super winning quarterbacks and presidents. That's a, a great, great, great place to start. Oh my gosh. You know it's February. It must be February. <laughs> oh my God. All right. One's easy. One's easy? Yeah, come on. You just won the Super Bowl. Uh, that's Michigan. Right. And right. the president, he played football for Michigan. Ronald Reagan? No, Ronald Reagan didn't play football for Michigan. He played the Gipper in the movie with Notre Dame. <laughs> That's right. I got confused. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, Gerald Ford. Sure. He was the starting center on, on the Michigan okay. football team. I know I'm dating myself yeah, because I remember bit. the Nixon. Okay. All right. One is downright impossible. All right. So okay. But downright impossible. But one's relatively straightforward. Um, Naval Academy. Okay. Okay. So okay. The, the quarterback is. Presidents your lifetime. Presidents in my lifetime. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not. Is George he, George Bush? Well, actually, um, Reagan won after him. Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. Okay. The president. Not my still lifetime. lifetime. Not my lifetime. Still, still, still alive. alive. Still alive. Goes to speak to all the, the of Emory and the quarterback, Dallas Cowboys. Roger Staubach. Roger Staubach. Okay. Okay. Then the next one. You have the next two. You have no, no shot. shot, no, no shot. shot. So I'm not. Gonna and I like that. I love tri- trivia. Is my favorite. Too. Okay. Next it's one. Two. You have no shot. Right. Okay. The president's Herbert Hoover from Stanford. The okay. quarterbacks are actually Elway and Plunkett. Sure. Both won Super Bowls. Yep. And the one that's absolutely impossible. Okay. Is Miami of Ohio. The quarterback ben is Roethlisberger. And the president is no. Warren Harding. Oh, and okay. anybody who knows that has way too much time. Warren Harding. Huh? That's it's interesting. Now while we're on president. President Trivia, who is, and this is really an amazing question, and everyone says Barack Obama, so Barack Obama is not, not the, the answer. answer. Okay. okay. Yeah. Who is the only president to play college basketball? Only president to play college basketball. Abraham Lincoln. Not a bad guess. Tall guy. tall, Moffin, but that's wrong. All right. Okay. All right. Um, never get this one. I'll never get uh, okay. Woodrow Wilson. Nope. All right. Okay. Disgust. Woodward Wilson actually died in office, but go on. In- but he could have played college basketball. Yeah. He was dead before college. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get it. He's one of the presidents James that, resi- Polk. that resigned. One of the presidents that resigned. So it's not Nixon. It is, it is Nixon. Nixon. It's Nixon? Nixon played for Whitney. Oh, my God. You know what made me think about that is... You know, Greg Popovich being a little bit in the news about what he said. Where did Greg Popovich start his coaching career? Was another school like that? It was actually Pomona. Look at this! Look at this wealth from Dr. Roslin today. How about that? What's well, we're on presidents. What college? What did John Kennedy play? John Kennedy. He swam for Harvard. Oh, come on, man. This is ridiculous. Oh, uh, I, I like history. Okay, what college sports did so the first bad. George Bush? 
played. This you should know. He probably played polo. No, he was the captain of Yale's baseball, baseball team. team. I, I actually played knew that first one. Base. I actually knew that one. I knew the baseball yeah. one. <laughs> so oh that gosh. ends presidential trivia for today. Oh, God, that was a disaster. You talked about what, one of the questions you asked me was what, what president played college basketball? And the answer was Richard Nixon, you said. Let's start with college basketball, because that was a big story that was in the news uh, over this past weekend, or over the past week, I should say, where Zion Williamson... Literally came out of his shoe. There's a big controversy with Nike about that. Comes out of his shoe last Wednesday and suffers a knee injury, does not return, uh, missed two games at least uh, for Duke. The big question is, or was at the time before it was kind of announced what would happen, is what should Zion Williamson do? Should he come back and play college basketball at all this season? Or should he take his bag, go home like we saw Nick Bosa do in college football? Secure your spot. We already know Zion's going to be the number one overall pick by sitting out. I don't think he would damage that potential prospect. So guarantee yourself the money. Make sure you don't ruin your potential earning career. Doc, what do you think about Zion's injury, and what do you think about his decision going forward? You know, I think this is really a complex, complex subject, and one that really is important around sports. First of all, when he went down, I thought he tore his ACL, just like everybody else that Mm -hmm. was watching. The way he went, went, went down, and Realize that a, a sprain is a sprain of the ligament, and basically the MRI didn't show any any tear, um, and that that's great news. So, I think you take a step back. You know he's going to be the number one draft pick. He has nothing financially to gain to play play for Duke, and therefore everybody, you know, from yep. Luka Donick writes, you know, Europe and, Donchick, yeah. and Donchick, you know, writes Europe, and that he 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 shouldn't be playing. I look at it somewhat differently. I think my problem is, is that everybody associated with Duke basketball, from Krzyzewski yep. to the Duke alumni to the Duke brand to yep. college basketball as a whole, yeah. is profiting because this guy is really an icon. Correct. And he, he doesn't profit. And there's something wrong with that, that his adding so much value. On the other hand, I think you brought up Nick Bosa, comes from a football family, made a business decision, can't fault him. But I think it's kind of different in a strange way. You know, Zion Williamson and basketball players are not fine China. They only get better by playing basketball. So in the offseason, they're going to play basketball. So it's like, what are you going to do? Shut him down so he doesn't play for Duke in a supervised environment? And what is the next time he's going to play basketball is when he has a contract. Basketball players play basketball. They play basketball, you know, during the offseason. They don't just work out. They play the game. You know, he, he, you know, he played the game his entire life. You know, this is one of the arguments about all of the sports time. And if you start thinking about getting hurt, that's when you do get hurt. So the obvious question, and I brought it up before, Nick Bosa hurt himself three or four games into the season, shut it down. Is it different because football is such a violent game, or is it not different to you? Like, hey, you're a football player, play football. No, I think football is different. Okay. I also think football players don't necessarily train by playing football. I mean, one of the— That's a good point. Okay, I, I think that, you know, now one of the things that they we hear all the time is that tackling is so bad because people don't— Wear pads. Now, right. there are non-contact injuries as well. Certainly. But, you, you know, in the offseason, 10 people don't go down to Chelsea Piers and play tackle football. No doubt. Okay? Mm-hmm. 
So there is a difference. You know, football players train by doing drills. They train by lifting weights. They train, they minimize their contact to acts of war. I mean, you know, there, there are probably simulation drills that they do, but they don't actually involve combat, you, you know, different than boxers yep. who spa. Uh, so I think there's a huge medical difference between that. And the truth is that Zion's better off playing in the supervised environment of Duke. Right. The problem that we have to reconcile is why is everybody else benefiting besides him? And he's truly an icon. And that's where I have a problem with it. And, you know, then you saw him go down and people said, well, he would have lost millions. The truth is he's such an icon. He's really the exception. He would have, you know, even if he tore his ACL, yes, his basketball career would have been hurt, but he would have done fine in life because people love him. The Duke alumni love him. You know, the, the, he, he, he has so much. I mean, Zion Williamson is going to be successful in any line of work sure. that he chooses. He is a special person and a special talent. So they said that even if he had torn his ACL that night against the University of North Carolina, that he still would have been the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. He ultimately wouldn't have cost himself a dollar. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Thankfully, we don't have to know about that because he didn't tear his ACL. But I find it interesting, and that was was another argument to say, hey, he should come back because... He's going to be the number one pick where he's going to have his earnings potential maximized because of who he is and the alumni and, and the system that you're mentioning. What did you think of the people, Doc, that brought up the Nike angle? Like, how could a Nike shoe just do this? How, how could it just tear apart? And then Puma's response via Twitter. What, what did you think of all of that? Well, I, I, I think it's, you, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's so funny. I asked my friend who coaches, and I said, you know, I think Zion's going to get hurt because I've never seen anybody cut as violently as he does. Right. Okay? I, 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 that's why I thought he was going to tear his ACL. I, I mean, I was thinking this when I was watching um, Duke. I forgot who they The Duke-Virginia game. Okay. Okay, the Duke-Virginia mm-hmm. game. I've never seen anybody plant as violently as he plants. Okay? So if you really want to... Ask me the question. I think that you can criticize Nike all you want. They are probably trying to make a shoe that's stable, that also is light, that creates a certain amount of speed. You know, anything that you engineer when you take something out of something, in other words, to make it lighter, you're giving something up. And I don't think anybody's ever seen the talk. I mean, I think it's the same thing as when, when I don't think we've ever watched anybody hit a tennis ball as violently as Nadal has, has hit a tennis ball. And I don't think equipment, it's, it's that easy to test for those things until they occur. But I've never seen anybody plant like Zion Williamson. And, you know, that would be my one knock in, and, and you know, I, it, although Nadal's had a great career, can you play as violently? You know, the, the cuts that he makes are, I don't know if violent is the right word, but I've never seen anybody plant as hard and shift, especially at that size. Um, and, and can that body maintain something like that? Um, and the truth of the matter is, I w- wouldn't have taken him, number one, if he tore his ACL. Because okay. his freakish athleticism is what makes him no doubt about spe- it. special. Sure. It, 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 it's, it's, it, it's not Stephen Curry that has the greatest skills. I mean, he has unique skills for a player of his size. 
uh, the cuts and the athleticism. And if he loses that a shade, you know, that's really the question on him. With a very unusual body, by and large. I mean, I don't think we've, you know, the closest comparison that people make was Charles Barkley in the round mound of rebound. And I remember Charles Barkley very well when he came into Philadelphia, but he was mainly a post-up player. Right. And he, he created a lot of space. And yes, he moved extremely well for his size. This guy is, is totally different. The closest comparison to me to him is Julius Irving. Certainly high praise. Is Julius Irving. But Julius Irving was feathery, you know, in, in a strange word. Zion Williamson is doing the same things, but it's it's violent. You, you know, you know, it's 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 not you, you know, it's not um you, you know, just one way goes both ways and, and basically an un, unstoppable force. Um I, I I can't think of a real corresponding player to him. He's unlike anything that I've seen. I'm younger than you, and you, you've watched a lot more basketball than me. He's unlike anything I have seen from anybody in the NBA. That size, that length, that ability. You He's, know, the other thing about him, okay, and this is the thing that people don't talk about, okay. great endurance plays his yeah, butt off. Absolutely. Okay, you know, and, and, and this, is, this is kind of what has always made LeBron James special. Mm-hmm is his endurance and his ability to play his butt off. And you're seeing that now with the Lakers, where he seems like he has to conserve energy. Something's wrong, yeah, and he's not the same. What made LeBron James amazing was that he was a freight train with 42 seconds to go in the game and a freight train in the first half right. and, and couldn't stop. Sure. Now it looks like he's, you know, I hate to say the word, like, you know, when you watch James Harden play, it always looks like he's pacing himself. You watch Russell Westbrook play, he never looks like he's pacing himself. Mm-hmm. LeBron James never was pacing himself. He now looks like he's pacing himself to me. Zion Williamson is always going. He has the best motor. That's what sets him apart from Barrett and Cam Reddish. Both of those are freakish athletes. You, you watch Cam Reddish go out and guard point guards. And I was like watching him strip Tyus Battle of Syracuse this weekend at six foot ten. He's like mm-hmm. he's pressing their point guard. And, you know, well Tyus Battle's two guard and stripping him at at half court. And yep. it's like amazing athletes, but they don't have the motor that Zion has when he's out there to just go 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 go. Speaking of the motor, it brings me to actually last night with LeBron James. Did you see this by any chance, Doc? No, I didn't. So LeBron James, there's, it went around a little viral today, like a 40-second clip of the Lakers on defense last night against the Grizzlies, a game they lost to Memphis. Right. Uh, you know, there's a whole lot made of playoff mode, being, playoff mode intensity being activated by LeBron. That was a big joke, right? So LeBron had a triple-double last night. They still lost, and he was awesome. But there's this 40-second clip, and you spoke about how Zion, how intense he is from the first quarter through the, f- the first half through the end second, of the second half, yeah. yeah, and how it seems like he never takes a playoff. The ball was going around, and LeBron's just standing there. Just, I'm not calling out LeBron. I'm not Skip Bayless. I'm not going to do that. It's just him standing there. That was hands up, not going back and forth between his man, and I'm never calling out LeBron, but like it was just him standing there, watching, and not moving. It was like, what is happening? You know, again, I, I, I said the first time I've seen him look like he's pacing himself. 
Now, it, it, could it be that when he was hurt, he's lost his stamina a little bit? His stamina a little bit. Mm-hmm. Could it be that, you know, no one's played more basketball because, you know, first of all, all of his series have gone seven games. Seemingly. Okay. So, and he's played into June every single year. Plus Olympics. Okay. He's human. So there's a, there could be miles running up on that speedometer. And, you know, what you have to do and you take, it, it, you know, not the same player. And, and we've criticized him, you and I, Carmelo Anthony. Yes. But when you take a step back, okay, LeBron James is not the greatest shooter in the world. Okay. Mm-hmm. He is a basketball savant. He's a great, great passer. And there's never been anyone his size who can do the things that he can do. Okay. But if he loses that ability, he's still an incredible NBA player to play at a higher pace than anybody else. If he loses the ability to play at a higher pace, is what I'm trying to say, he then comes back to the pack. What's made him incredible is the size, speed, and be able to play at that pace for 43 minutes a game for. Actually, 105 games a year, I would estimate. And that's what I'm not seeing right now. Sure. So on any one play, he looks exactly the same. Right. But you're just not seeing that woo-woo-woo every play. And I think it's funny, if you would have watched LeBron James in the regular season over the last seven, eight years, I'm sure I could find many instances of what we saw last night. But because they're not in the playoffs right now, because they're on the outside looking in, because they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies, everything is magnified. And you're also losing out the, the because. Because there's an underwhelming, uh, an overwhelming sentiment to say that Jordan's the best player of all time and people to find credence to it. So, so everybody wants to say that you know, as soon as he went out to the West, he wouldn't be in the finals every year. And you know, look at Jordan's record. When he gets there, he closed. Of course. Now... Let me give the counter to that argument. Mm-hmm. Go right okay. Ahead. Yeah. The Bulls without Michael Jordan were a Hugh Hollis foul call on Scottie Pippen at the Garden from going against the Rockets mm-hmm. in a series that honestly <clears throat> John Starks had to miss every shot for the Knicks to lose. My guess is the Bulls would have beaten that Rocket team with Elijah Wan. And then if the Bulls had won that championship, and there's a lot of ifs, and I know that ifs doesn't count in sports, but let's face it, if that call, when Pippen gets fouled, and clearly Hugh Hollins makes that call, Chicago wins game six. Knicks don't go against Houston. And at least that series is a pick. So he played with legitimate Hall of Famers, such as Scottie Pippen, as opposed to the people that LeBron James took to win with Cleveland. Now, where I've always said LeBron and any 10 players could make the NBA playoffs, you know, it's, we're it's, about to find <laughs> out. We're about to find out. And what's interesting, though, and everybody's saying it's the West, but this is not the same West as last year or the year before. It's not like the Clippers traded away their team, and they're still in the playoffs. Sure. Okay? And I don't think, you know, Sacramento is, is fantastic. And San Antonio just lost to the Knicks so in, and the Knicks and Nets in back-to-back nights. So they're not exactly chasing the 27 New York Yankees. No, certainly not. Or the 98 New York Yankees either. They're not chasing anything like that. As it stands right now, as we record this, 
The Lakers sit in 11th place in the Western Conference. They are three games back of the Spurs for a playoff spot. They are two games back of the Kings, who are ninth, and they are tied, so they're tied for 10th. Tied for 10th with the Timberwolves as well, who are streaking a little bit um, on their own right with Carl Anthony Towns returning with another uh, 30 and 20 game uh, last night for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's go away from the NBA now and talk about the other big story that we missed with no show last week. And that's a story about Robert Kraft. And Robert Kraft, as everybody knows now, got caught uh, on tape and in, in a raid by the FBI inside a massage parlor in Florida. And it's come out details uh, since then that one of those times that he was caught in there for about 15 minutes was on the morning of the AFC Championship game before he, on his private plane, threw, flew uh, to Kansas City. There's another time um, that he also was caught in there. He's a 78, 79-year-old guy. 77. 77, right? Yeah. Fair enough. 77-year-old owner of the New England Patriots that went to the massage parlor. He's been the front and center. He has pleaded... His lawyers come in and said, this is not him. This has nothing to do with it. I'm quite sure that when it comes down to it, he will plead whatever well, down. It's essentially a pocket ticket. Correct. Pay a bunch of money to, not even a bunch of money, pay a little bit of money to some community service, some charity, and that's it. goes away. Yeah. So I will point blank say I disagree with all the people sitting in the media admonishing somebody I really have sympathy, and I think the lesson that I take out of this is value your close relationships, because while you can, Robert Kraft can call any person in the world and get a return phone call. No doubt. He can hobnob with anybody that you would want to meet. Mm -hmm. He can go out to dinner in Tom, with Tom Brady. Sure. But anybody that has to go to a massage parlor on Friday and Saturday is very lonely in their own way. Sure. And it tells you that you can have all the money in the world. You know, my grandfather used to say, I'm the wealthiest person in the world, and these are my dividends, and point to his children, children. and his grandchildren, sure. okay, and his family. Right. To me, it shows that, you know, wealth and power don't give you intimate relationships. And, you know, especially as you move along and you're looked at in a certain way, and maybe when the camera's on, and you're winning Super Bowls, you're extremely happy. But when you go to sleep at night, you know, even with a 39-year-old supposed girlfriend, he's, he's, there's obviously something lonely. And I think that we're so quick to judge and so quick to criticize. And I think that what we should be is, is just have sympathy. I don't think he was trying to hurt somebody. I don't think he's has, you know, I don't think he's trafficking. I understand. I'm not stupid that if you dry up the financial model, you know, then there wouldn't be a demand to import these girls from China. I understand that. But I think in his moment of loneliness, his moment of stress, he's not thinking of the implications of those things, and I don't think humans do. And I just kind of feel sorry for him, and I feel sorry that people are having such a great time criticizing human frailty. You know, I think that comes from wanting to see the rich and the powerful fall, in a way, a jealousy, right? A little bit of jealousy, I also think it comes from a holier-than-thou type thing. What do you mean? Like, I, I think that people are so quick to judge others, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I think that everybody has skeletons in their closet. Everyone's had broken relationships. Everybody has had their own, their, their, their own issues that they wouldn't want publicized. 
No doubt about that. Especially a lot of the people that have done the most criticizing of him. Of course. I think that the big story, and you hit it a little bit, is you know the girls from China being illegally brought over, 1,500 sex slaves or whatever, or whatever the number is. I mean, that's the story. Robert Kraft, the 77-year-old owner, whatever, you know. I, I think, I, I, you know, you... But you know, there have been similar, similar stories that have been written about nail polish. Uh, oh, definitely. The, yes, the, yes, the, yes. Manicures. Manicures. Yeah. It, you know, all the Korean places. And, you know, we, we certainly, like, you know, we don't admi- admonish, like, all of, you know, the women in my town that are getting their nails done every mm-hmm. single week. And supposedly these women are, 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 are basically, you know, brought up to every nail salon. I mean, I don't know. I, I only know it was in the New York Times. I mean, we, you know, they're basically driven and played minority uh, wages, you know, beneath scale wages and kept in terrible places so that everybody in New York can have, you know, cheap manicures. You know, and, you know, so this is a major, major issue across the board. And I've always felt, you know, in, in medicine, a lot of times we see uninsured people. I've always felt very sympathetic to illegal immigrants, whereas a lot of people said, you know, they shouldn't be using the expense of our system. I believe that they are here because we don't want to say we have a caste system. What I've always felt less sympathy for are the people who are contractors making a ton of money in their own business and then not taking any money to buy health insurance. I've had much more empathy for the illegal immigrants that are here because we want them to be here. Excuse me, President Trump, who uses them at his golf course. We want to be able to go out to dinner and pay less money. We don't want to pay maids a ton of money. And that's, and we want to pay our construction workers so we pay less for our house on daily rates. And if we didn't want them here, then we would have changed the laws a long time ago. We just don't want to say we have a caste system. So this is, of course, Doc Jock here, Fantasy Sports Network. As we got off the topic. <laughs> I mean, I can go. I can go off all. I can go off the entire show about this topic and my feelings on illegal immigration and President Trump. I just don't know how far down that road uh, we ultimately want to go. I think that it's very sad. I'll say this: it's very sad how illegal immigrants, the term, the group, are being used in place of criminals and rapists and all that. That is not here to work. Of course they are. They're here because they're here there's here to not escape, escape poverty. There's not a better opportunity. It's a, in the, it's, a, it's a terrible life. It's a horrible life. Okay? It's a ter- horrible, terrible life. And, and you know, again, I, this is a sports show and, 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 and stuff like that, but, you know, you know, I don't want to go on, but it's, it's a very, 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 very tough life, and I think we should be empathetic, not, not, not um, persecutory. I agree. I think it's a good place to, to stop that there. Okay, Bryce Hartmart, Manny Machado. He has signed. He's a member of the San Diego Padres. Signs for $300 million. Gets his money. Bryce Harper has not, but Nolan Arenado has. Highest annual average value of any contract for any player Ever making about $32.5 million over eight years. $32.5 million a year. So even though, so now, oddly enough, I saw this today. The, I believe three, I'm going to show you right now, the th- three most expensive contracts ever, AAV-wise, have been signed by the Marlins and Giancarlo Stanton made that deal. 
the Rockies, Arenado, and the Padres with Machado. Isn't that remarkable? That's who have signed the three well, highest contracts? Well, it's remarkable. On some hand, it's, it's reasonable. On some hand, when you look at teams like the Mets, you know, and big market teams that play like small market teams, that's ridiculous because I can certainly understand what the Yankees are doing. You know, you're in the, the right position. You feel you have enough to win. You always keep your investment so that you can be the world's team. Okay? Sure. But once you're there, you don't have to spend crazily. You have to, you know, preserve where you're at. The Mets are in the same market, okay? And they just don't see it. And it's hysterical. Todd Fraser and Jed Lowry are, are already, already hurt. hurt. Okay? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doing that. Now, I'll make an argument that, that business-wise, you know, I will say that the reason why this makes sense to me is because only teams that have to sign these contracts would sign these contracts. Because, interestingly, and let's go to the, the Magic Mac right now. If you look at the 2010 best players in baseball, exclude some of sure. the 40-year-olds, see how many of them would you have wanted to give a 10-year contract and be a good, good investment? You know, it's not a big number. Probably Cano, you know, works out. You look at some of the big contracts around here that haven't worked out. Uh, Cespedes, you can't say that his contract has worked out, but at the time it was a, a reasonable. Obviously, David Wright. Look at Troy Tulowitzki, you know, who in 2010 was considered one of the best players in baseball. So if you go down the list from 2010, who you'd want to give a 10-year contract. And now look ahead. And I guess the average major league team salary is about $180 million. So let's assume for inflation, let's assume in, you know, six to eight years, let's even say it goes up to $300 million. That's still 10% of your salary right there. And I think that when you look at these things, the chance of these contracts working out is not that high. So I have a list in front of me. It's just for fun. Right. Back in 2010. Okay. And we'll say, we'll say, would we have signed him yeah, or yeah. not? And, and we'll exclude some of the older players. For a, for a, ten, for a 10 year deal, is what we said, right? Yeah. That, that was what so we, we, we'll have to concentrate on the people who are less than 30. Let's do it. Okay. I don't know what this list is sorted by, but it's, it's giving what we need. The number one player on this list. Oh, it's sorted by war. It's sorted by war, which is perfect. Right. Josh Hamilton. I guess that would have been a very bad investment. That would have been a poor event. investment, yeah. Carl Crawford, when he still played for the Rays. Well, ask the Boston Red Sox about Evan Longoria. You know, again, we thought he was going to, him and David Wright were the people that we talked about the next generation. Right. You know, again, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I think Longoria went went from, you know, up. I think he had a slight ascent after 2010. He did. But I think from 2015 yep. on, he's been very mediocre. His 2016 season was very good. He had 36 homers, 98 RBIs. It was a very good season. So I think that's close. So you'd be on the back end of that contract, have two years left, and it would obviously not be worth it now, no doubt. But I think the rest of the career, because from 2013 to 2017, he played in 156 games in every season. So I think you're okay with that one. Okay. You're okay with that one. Okay. Up next, Joey Votto. That's a yes. Yes. That's Joey Votto's yes. been, you know. One bad year last year. Yeah. But he's been fine every year. Every, so that's, that's a yes. That's that we're two out of the top ten. Albert Pujols. Ask the Angels about that. Exactly. Ryan Zimmerman. Been, mm, nope. Yeah. Mediocre at best. Nope. 
Jose Bautista. He's probably pretty Well, old. he was a little... He, so Jose ba- Bautista probably back then... So that was, was, that was nine years ago? Was probably... Because he was like 38 for the Mets. He's 38, now, he's 38 now, so he would have been 31 at the time. Yeah. Okay. N- absolutely not. Okay. All right. I agree with you. So that's two so far. Adrian Beltre. He reti- he's retired. Adrian Beltre was a great player every year he played. Certainly. And he was fine last year. So he, he, you would have given him the, eight, the eight-year contract. So exactly. He's retired. Okay. Yeah. So that's three. We're good. Robinson Cano, we talked about. He's played to his contract. Yes, he has. So that's four. Well, Andres Torres had a really nice year. He, he obviously would not be. Let's, let's give Andres Torres. Matt Holliday. I don't know how old Matt Holliday was there at that time. He was a very good player for the, for the Cardinals. So that was when, he, it was when he was on the Cardinals still. Um, and I don't know how old he was at that time. I believe. Oh, actually, does it say right here? One second, one second. I think Matt Holiday would be close to a yes because the you know, borderline. You wouldn't want to give him big numbers. I wouldn't have wanted to give him. So that was his first season with the Cardinals. It was 2010. And here's a long time, Doc, because he's 39 years old right now. He was 29. So it's very similar to the Arenado deal. The Arenado deal, they gave him eight years, not 10 years. If you were to give uh, Holiday eight years, that would have run into this past year. It still would have been a bad last two years, but. Not terrible. Not terrible. Not terrible. So those are the top ten. You want me to keep going? Yeah, keep going a few. Okay. All right. I'm just saying that, sure. that, 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 you know, now, and you have to also Again, this add, is war. This is war. You, you have to also add that now he's not playing for his contra- contract. And the other thing is he's got the opt-out after five years. So After three years is the Laranato. For Manny Machado, it's after five, five years. years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, my God. Ricky Weeks. Goodbye. Rick Gardner. He's been, he's he's, been a star he's for had 10, years. 10 years. Yeah. He's, he's been okay. in the big league. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Shin Shu Chu got the contract. And did nothing. He's been great last year. Right. Oh, after uh, after uh, some mediocrity. Yeah. So you don't love that one. Miguel Cabrera. Again, was the best player in the world and then can't, can't stay healthy. Over the last two years, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he is healthy, he's actually still very good. He got the contract very late. With, I think they signed him to a very long-term deal. Only just a couple of years ago. Oh, too, mm-hmm. too late. Yeah, A little bit too late. Okay, it's Miguel Cabrera. Carlos Gonzalez. Again, he's been awful the last few years. Yeah, you know, remember when the Mets were going to trade for sure, him? Sure. And, Many times. Uh, Aubrey Huff was probably old by that point, I think. Tulo, we've spoken about. Kelly Johnson. And the Chase Utley. He's old. He's old by yeah. then. He was old. Jay Bruce. We know that, you know, it's very, Jay Bruce is a really interesting one, man. I'll never understand that from the Mets perspective. Obviously, he's on the Mariners now. I think he's still on the Mariners. Unless he got traded. Or is he on the Rays? Where is Jay Bruce? Uh, Jay Bruce he uh, was again? traded to the Mariners. He hasn't been traded since I, then? I don't think so. It's very hard to remember with the Mariners with Jerry DePoto and all the trades he makes. Um, it's interesting because Jay Bruce. Still the Mariners. Jay Bruce is an interesting one, man, because 10 years ago, he was 21 years old. And, or back, back in 10 years ago from now, so 2010, he was 22 years old. You probably would have given it to him. He's only 31 now. Yeah, well, you, you remember, you, well, you don't remember Casey Stingle once. No, I don't the, remember Casey, Casey Stingle. Stingle. God, I'm, I'm feeling really old. But Casey Stingle once said about a Met prospect, he goes, you know, he's, 20, he's 22 years old, and people were saying, and, you know, looking forward, he was going to say, and he said, you know, he had a chance in 10 years to be 32. That's <laughs> a great point. You know, Jay Bruce, Jay Bruce is really interesting because obviously he had a really nice season um, for the Reds, 25 home He was 22 years old or whatnot, 25 home runs, 80 runs scored, 70 RBIs, batted 280, like, 
That's awesome. And he had some nice years with the Reds. Signs a, uh, a pretty big money well, deal. He had a pretty good year for the Mets and Indians, too. But years that's ago. the thing. He has a nice season for the Mets. Then the Mets can't give him away. Can't give him away. Indians take him. Has an awesome second half. Then the Mets do it again. No, no. Actually, that year, his first, when the Mets got him going down the stretch, he was awful. He was actually doing well the first half when the Mets got him. But I still think, I didn't think anybody wanted to pay for that contract when he traded him to the Indians. Well, no, that was his free agent year. Right. That was his free agent year. The Mets got him to go down the stretch. Mm-hmm. 2016. Okay. And he actually, you know, he was awful, but they still played him in the playoffs. And then in 17, he had a great year. Very, very good year. And then Not they, 254, but. And then they traded him at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. Um, for absolutely nothing, and then they re-signed him. The problem with Jay Bruce was that season where he bet a 281 in 2010, his second season in the majors. It was the highest he'd ever hit. By far. His next highest average was 262. It's awful. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and plus, Jay, Jay Bruce is the type of player, if he doesn't hit 30 home runs, he's not worth playing because he doesn't give you anything else. Clearly. Um, Joe, Joe Maurer and Jason Worth are next. Maurer just retired. Jason Ward signed a big money deal with the Nationals, and it worked out for most of that, I think. Yeah, and, and you know, Maurer signed the big money deal with the Twins and was never the same player. Well, yes, you're right. He was never the same player. He was never the you're same right. player. I, you know, he was coming off two, two like, near MVP. That was the M&M boys and, you know, became very pedestrian. Missed the Minnesota, you know, but, but very pedestrian in, in the latter half of his career. I mean, the best, I, I kind of remember him, his best years were like when Johan Santana was pitching. Same. That, that was when Maurer and Morneau were at their peak. Could, be the, could not beat the Yankees, though. So that, that's about your top 20 or so. And I think, I think yeah, that's a good so, place. So, I mean, I think that the odds a handful, of these... A handful con- of guys. So, so, you know, unless you're looking at these contracts being a lost leader, unless you're looking at them being your recruiting tool, unless you're looking at these from business standpoint, um, in terms of giving you more legitimacy, potentially a presence, uh, potentially a better television contract, potentially creating greater buzz and interest, putting you on the map. I think from a pure baseball perspective, you can't justify these contracts. So I think that's why you're not seeing the Yankees, Chicago Cubs, you know, jump into those type of things because I think they're already set in the, in, in that framework. And I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I do give credit to owner Dick Montfort, who has paid his players. He's paid his guys. Say what you want about the contracts, but Troy Tulowitzki got paid. Going back, Todd Helton got paid. Um, Carlos Gonzalez by the Rockies got paid. Now Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman have both gotten paid. They've done their best in a mid-market to pay their guys. I do give them credit for that. Uh, I, I do too. They've also been a relevant franchise for, for, about, very, for many, for, many years. For, yes, for, for many, many years. And you know, again, the question people always ask is how inflated are those numbers? Because uh, you know, because it seems like they always have great offensive players. Here's the exact tweet I was looking for. By the way, largest total contract ever given out was by the Marlins, three hundred twenty-five million dollars for Giancarlo Stanton. Largest free agent deal ever given out was by the Padres, three hundred to Machado. Largest position player average, which is thirty-two and a half million dollars, was given out by the Rockies. If I would have given you the guess, name the three teams to do that, you know, you probably think Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers. Did not happen because they don't have to. Although the Yankees did, take, do it. Y- Yankees did take Giancarlo Stanton's contract. They did? 
The Yankees. But the Marlins have paid off a lot, are paying off a lot of that, but they did, absolutely. And the Marlins couldn't wait to get out from underneath that contract. I mean, you new could owners. argue new owners and, and, and other things, they couldn't wait to get out from underneath that contract, especially after his MVP season. And, you know, it, it, it's a really, from a different standpoint, Yankees go ahead and sign Aaron Hicks to a seven-year deal. And you're seeing a lot of A lot of, a lot people, of guys, yeah. Buying out their arbitration years for security. Not even, not even just that. I mean, Aaron Hicks, Aaron Hicks, and Nolan Arenado are supposed to be free agents next year. And listen, Machado got paid. Harper's going to get paid. But for whatever reason, Aaron Hicks, and to a lesser extent, Nolan Arenado, because he made you know the highest annual average ever. But a guy like Aaron Hicks and Luis Severino, really, like they don't want to take their chances. Especially Hicks, who's a free agent in six months, does not want to take his chances to go out of the market. Which is a great transition to make. Sure. Which is, is what they essentially have done if, is, is they have taken guaranteed money that set up their, their lives as long as they are anything reasonable and many, many generations to come. $70 million Aaron Hicks is guaranteed. Right. So it, it, it's enough to guarantee. So they took the guaranteed money, which is a great transition to Le'Veon Bell. Sure, absolutely. Great transition to Le'Veon Bell. No, number one, you know, I heard a lot of commentary in the New York area about comparing what Le'Veon Bell and, and Jacob deGrom, you know, when Jacob deGrom's <laughs> agent basically said, you know, you only pay me for 12,000 miles, so I'm only going to pitch, you know, a certain amount. And, sure. and, and Jacob deGrom, who I know personally is a great, great guy, kind of reiterated in a press conference. Totally different story. Le'Veon Bell deserves some credit. He sat out the goddamn year, okay? He had his conviction. He made a decision. He made a decision. He took a risk because, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers could have refranchised him. Mm -hmm. They could have labeled him. Mm -hmm. He took a risk that he was going to not play for $14 million to get his freedom so that he would be guaranteed more money. And I think he's going to wind up with a guarantee of forty-five to fifty-five million dollars. I don't know. I don't know that that happens. I think it will. I I really think I think it will. I think there's too many suitors out there. I think you know you're going to have Kansas City, you're going to have Green Bay, you're going to have the Jets. You're right. I mean, all the, all three of those teams are going to be out of them. Green Bay, I can't imagine are going to give them that kind of contract. Green Bay doesn't do that. Hasn't done it. Hasn't no. done it. Their window with Aaron Rodgers coming to an end. Definitely. Green Bay would be stupid not to do sure, it. Sure, of course. I think that even if I think it takes you see that's where and maybe, that's where dead money doesn't make a difference. So 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 if you're going to tell me that it's stupid for certain teams to do it, but Green Bay not to do it is stupid. Maybe it's just me, but for Le'Veon Bell, like fourteen and a half million dollars is a lot of money. A lot of I mean, listen, I don't make a million dollars. To leave just leave fourteen and a half million dollars or whatever it was sitting on the table. It's a lot of money to leave out. But here's the story. If he did tear his ACL, or he did have a serious injury, which for a running back is a five to ten percent chance. Deadly. Okay. Look look at Todd Gurley right now. If Todd Gurley didn't get paid right now after what we saw. Would anybody be paying him big bucks? Look at how that went woo, straight down. I think he made the right decision. 
I think you made the right decision again. And I'm the guy who told you that, you know, Zion Williamson is not a prima ballerina. He's got to play basketball to be good. But this is a different sport and, and this is a different game. And, you know, people go, well, you know, he only has a certain amount of window. You can retire a year late. It's all about the guaranteed money. This is his last major contract. I mean, he may get a John Stewart contract if he knows somebody in, in, in the league. But this is really his last contract. Yeah. So he was willing to sit the 14. So at what number did he make the right decision? Certainly above 40, he made the right decision. No doubt. No doubt about it. If he gets above 30, he's about the right decision. You know, so... I don't know. I, that, that, if he gets above 40, it's the right decision. If he gets above 30, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know where that number is. I really don't. We'll see. Um, Le'Veon Bell's aging. Le'Veon Bell is running backs are devalued, the whole deal. Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe yes, maybe no. We've talked, we've may, talked may, may, you know, again, what difference does it make if you, what you call somebody if they can run the ball, catch the ball, and 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 you know move move around. So who 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 like besides the quarterback? When you watch his, yeah. who should be valued? You know, everybody's saying now the same thing that teams who have a great wide receiver with the Antonio Brown don't 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 win. Okay, so yeah, the, the story about football and hockey is you win with you know next man up depth, and and you need your superstars to play like superstars. Sure, the teams that the superstars don't play like superstars. And don't have depth, don't win. Sure. But now we're hearing the same thing about a wide receiver. So what wins? You know, you're supposed to pay your offensive line all the money. What, That's what I'm supposed to say, yeah. What, what wins? You know, I would think you know, the Patriots... Offensive and defensive line, I would think. You know, the Patriots, they just have divvied the money up around a lot of <laughs> different correct. players. Correct. Okay? You, you know, you look at the Rams. The Rams, you know, their highest played player probably on their team was probably Gurley. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I don't know. They've been, they been a lot of players. It might, it might have been Cooks. We've been a Cooks, might have been a Keep to leave. We've made a lot of money. Aaron Donald obviously just got okay. the contract extension. And, yeah. You know, they played a dominant Sue, you know, a fair yep. amount to be there. Yep. You know, go back, the, you, you know, the year before. So, so, you know, now we're hearing the same thing, that you don't need a, a top wide receiver. Then we, a few years ago we were hearing you, you needed a top wide receiver. The bottom line is you need great players to make great big plays when you need them to make great plays. No, no, of course. You, you, but like you said that, right? You need your big players to step up no matter right. what. Your highest paid players to step up no matter what. That's how you're going to be successful. I mean, you know, right now, like, you know, now the Antonio Brown thing is, 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 is really interesting. Now, I wouldn't, you know, I don't think they're going to get anything for him. Why would they? Why would, if you're a team, why are you giving them what they want? You know. It wouldn't. It's not as bad negotiating. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, and I think that, you know, Noel, I think the biggest problem is, People are going to be scared to deal with him unless they really see a one-year window. And I think that what they're going to say is you're going to have to play under this contract to show us. Sure. And I don't know. He's not going to be very happy with that. I don't know how happy he's going to be to do that. Um, I guess everybody's saying he's going to go play for Kyle Shanahan in in San Francisco because he feels that he can handle him. Doc, the other big story that we have yet to hit on here uh, Maryland Terrapins defeated Iowa last week. That's a big, That's a big story. Win. It is a big win between two very good teams in the Big Ten, and I just needed to point that out to you. That's, that's, you know, first of all, let's look <laughs> at college basketball as a whole. Uh-huh. You know, Duke is 
got some awesome talent. Kentucky's coming on. Um, the Michigan State, I think, is a fairly talented team. Yeah. North Carolina's good, too. North Carolina's getting better. Um, and Gonzaga's the number one team in the country. I really haven't seen Gonzaga play. I haven't seen it, much it, 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 you know, again, the only thing I know about Gonzaga is that they have several players now that are listed, you know, being top draft picks. So yeah. that they're, they're not your, you know, they're not your father's Gonzaga. That gets, Adam Morrison was number three overall pick. Yeah. I mean, and, and they're not, but they're getting top recruits. What's his name? You know, the guy on the Pacers is, you know, Sabonis. Oh, of course. Yeah, it's yeah, it was, Sabonis. It was, a, was a lottery ticket. He was awesome. Yeah. You know, I mean, they get, they're getting top, top players as, as, as a mid-major. But then you look at it, and, you, you know, again, I, I follow the Big Ten closely because mm-hmm. of my friend. But all the teams are good. They're all the same. I mean, you know, Iowa's 21-6. and six. They've won their last three games by a combined, you know, and they lost by <laughs> one, and they've won the other four by like, one. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and they play Ohio State tonight, and, there's a lot of parity in college basketball. And here's what I'll tell you. The teams that are good are young, which means that they certainly can be beat. Uh, sure. And, 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 you know, Duke has probably, like, you know, R.J. Barrett's going to be a great pro. Cam Reddish, if he has a chance to be a fantastic pro. I'm not sure that Trey Jones can shoot it well enough. But the other three are, are certainly bona fide. And, you know, there are days when they don't shoot it well. Mm-hmm. Now, they play very good defense for a young team as a whole when Zion Williams is out there because he's the whole energy of that team. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can be taken. I haven't seen Kentucky as much. Mm-hmm. So March Madness is going to be a lot of fun. Now, I think what you, the difference between March Madness now and used to be is that I think you're going to get a little less upsets in the first two days and more in the third and fourth day because okay. there's so much parity. Sure. I think that, you, you know, at the present time, you know, the whole thing with the mid-majors and not being prepared and stuff like that, it's now all sorted itself out to some degree, and, and, and you're seeing less on the first and second day of those Really, really big upsets. I know. Don't tell that to Michigan State. You know, when, but they lost to Syracuse, and you know that that that's from the same recruiting recruiting pool and stuff like that. But I think the the, the when you get to that third, you know, the third and fourth day of the tournament, I mean, I think you can throw it up, and these teams are very close. Admiral Schofield is really good for Tennessee. Also, I want to mention, like, I don't know how good Tennessee is in general, but I like Admiral Schofield a lot. Saying. I mean, you know, again, his teams have always disappointed. Absolutely. It, Absolutely. You know, Rick, we're talking about Rick Barnes has always disappointed in the tournament. And, and while we're on the subject of, of college basketball, yeah. you know, it, 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 it's absolutely amazing. You know, Arizona's had a down season, the best recruiting year in the country. But Sean Miller's two assistant coaches have been fired, and he still keeps his job. And he's been evidently subpoenaed, right? He's been listed in the subpoena suit for the bribery. We'll wait as well. That that's that's going to go on in, mm-hmm. in college college basketball. But it it it, it it's a, an amazing story that that um, you, you know what's what's going on, and 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 that that no coach has 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 lost their job. You know, over weird. This. No head coach has lost their job, but assistants have. Not yet. Not yet. Anything else for the lead, Doc? 
No, so and, and where do we where do we go for what happens with the Lakers? I think that's the last final thing to sure. talk about. People always, you know, said that you know they're young players because, I mean, I can't believe that the young players aren't playing because they felt unwanted. I can believe that for the first time in these guys' lives, although Lonzo Ball's been hurt, you know, that people like Brandon Ingram hearing that then that, that they're, they're not, not good enough they're not good enough yeah i think that's what's really gone on i don't think they necessarily care about the fact that of of being traded i mean these guys go from team to team their entire life but i think that you know brandon ingram was told how great he was mm-hmm. you know that you know such a different 611 no one can do these things you know maybe a throwback to magic and now he kind of realizes you know, I'm on the verge of a very pedestrian NBA career. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, Kyle Kuzma's played right through it because I think it's exactly the same. He either hits his shot or misses his shot. He couldn't care less. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't care less. But Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, I think, thought that they were the shit. And I think that they're hearing right now that they're, they're not. They're not worth shit is what you're looking is for. Is what they're hearing. And I think that, that you, you know, again, it's it's – it's always interesting in sports the, you know bullies you can be a bully in sports if you're more talented than people but essentially you're going to see somebody who's just as strong just as fast and how you play in that circumstance determines it's so hard to play people when you don't have a physical advantage and for most of these people that doesn't happen until late college right or, or, or pro, which is why it's very hard to recruit people from a bad league because you never know how they're going to do when they play against somebody who has the same physical attributes. And, that, and that's absolutely true. That's why it is tough um, to make the transition, and it's tough to put it all together when there's bigger, they're stronger. Like you said, you're, you're not necessarily the bully anymore. You've got to face big, bad bully. Yeah, you know, and that's the difference. Like, most... Great college players are either stronger or faster than the other players. Mm-hmm. When they get to the pros, there are very few people who are bigger and stronger. We got and about we got about a month left to see if LeBron could pull it together again. They're just about three games out, like I said before. So it's not yet. yet the the odds people are giving are less than five percent. Really? Seems, which seems crazy. Cause look look it up. Yeah. I mean, they were saying it, it makes no sense. I know they have a tough schedule. But, you know, they're not exactly chasing Bayamoose. You, you know, I, I think... That- so on the ESPN playoff index odds here, the Lakers are at, my goodness, at 3.1%. Yeah, what? I mean, I think I would take that bet unless I'm missing something. This is weird. So the Spurs, who, I, as I said, were what, a game up with... A game up on the Sacramento Kings, right? They're, well, they're, they're, there's three games between the Lakers. The Timberwolves are in between. Timberwolves and Kings are both in between. And it says that the and the Spurs are falling. The Kings are four games back of the Spurs in the loss column. Interesting. The Lakers are six games back of the Spurs in the loss column. Interesting. So they they the Lakers have twenty two games to play. Is that true? Is that, what, is that what it is? I think it's something like that. They have they're thirty nine and forty three, which is four game. Um, 82 games. Oh, that's projection. I'm sorry. That's their projection. Right. That, is, that is 82 games. So, I'm oh, sorry. They gave, me, they gave me the projections. Hang on. 
So the Lakers currently are 29 and 31. Right. So they have they have 22 games, right? They have 22 games left. The Spurs so what, what, are 33 what, what, and 29. What, they are two games. They're, what, they're two what, games what, what, what's their record? 29 and 31? Yeah, they are two games back in the loss column. So, you know, what they're hypothesizing is that it will take 45 games to make the playoffs. That means they would have to right. go 16 and six. and 16 and 6 to, to do it. My guess is that's high. My guess is I think uh, 15 and 7, even... Fourteen and eight, because I think the Spurs are going south. Certainly I mean, now. Now they have lose, the problem. Knicks. That's that's right. By the way, what do you think of Dennis Smith Jr.? I like Dennis Smith Jr. I think he's happy to be in New York. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think he has a I think he has a shot to be good. He's happy to be in New York. He's good. He's athletic as hell. Yeah, why not? You know, he's he, he's definitely more athletic than we've seen in a long time. Exactly. Knicks wanted him for a reason. Now they're giving him a chance. Why not? <laughs> the wolf pack. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Doc Jock. It has been a blast as always. That is Dr. Mitchell Roslin. Check out all of our old episodes here on YouTube or on demand wherever you listen to your podcast. For Dr. Mitchell Roslin, I'm Greg Sussman. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for watching. And that's a wrap. Good night.